Good morning. There is a Bible in the pew back in front of you. Unless you're one of the cool kids in the back, then it's under the seat in front of you. You guys can have that. Don't tell Jason I said that. It's a gift from the church. Y'all take that home with you. Uh, We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Just say amen when you're there. Nailed it. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so, there, so that people fear before him. That which is, is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. We're glad that you're here as we are continuing in the journey through this Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes and what we're learning about this ancient wisdom literature and the author being Solomon. And outside of Jesus, he was the wisest man who ever lived and the most successful and had more money and all types of accolades that in 2019 we would say that that is the meaning and the pursuit and the goal of life, that this guy did it. He is successful. But in reality, what Solomon's doing is he's looking back on his life. Uh, Most scholars believe that he is an old man as he writes this. And he looks back on his life, and what he does is he challenges us in this book. And he says, is the God factor in all of life really that important? Is, Is true meaning and purpose really found in who God is and what he does? And what he's done is he said, you know, some people say that work is the ultimate goal or money or wisdom or pleasure and all of those things. And Solomon says, when I look back on my life and I removed God out of the equation, I realized that I removed him out. But in reality, he's always been there. And when I don't attach these things like work, pleasure, money, accomplishments, all of that, if I don't attach that to its source, which is God, then my life is meaningless, and it's vanity, if you will. And what's really good as well is that Solomon um, also challenges maybe some of us who are non-believers. And so if if you're not a Christian or someone sort of just peeking over the fence and you have questions about this, I don't really know. What's great is what Solomon does is he forces your hand. If you say that I don't believe the God factor is that important, and I believe that accomplishments and this and that are ultimate in-game in life, Solomon says, okay, I'm going to force your hand, and I'm going to keep asking questions and keep asking questions, and I'm going to show you that in the end, this is all that you are left with. So it's very challenging for us in many walks of life. Last week, we looked at this understanding that we think that time and seasons and everything like that is just random chaos, that things just happen and they just simply happen. But in reality, Solomon taught us last week that that God is the conductor who's who's orchestrating time, and that there's reasons and rhythms and that we have a response to know what season that we are in. This week, um, we're, we're still going to be studying some of the past verses from last week, but, but there's some profound things in these short amount of verses. 
And one of the things that Solomon is doing this week is he's comparing and contrasting our life and what we can do with this big concept of God and who he is. If you look in verse 9, Solomon asks a question. What gain does man have from his toil? What gain do I get? The word gain means what's left over in the end. So to 2019, it. what's the point? What's left over after the 9 to 5, after the grind, after the pursuit, after all of this? But he doesn't leave us with ourself. It's really interesting. What he does is he refers to the ways and works of God. If you see there, he says, I saw that God did this. I saw that God does this. I saw that God does this. And what's interesting is what we've learned in this series is Solomon doesn't actually talk about God that much. And it kind of makes us nervous, right? Oh, you know. But what's cool is when he does, he ties the purposes all together. But the most difficult aspect and the most profound thing is in verse 11. I want you to look at your Bible. Verse 11, Solomon says these words. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Eternity. Wow. What Solomon's doing is is he's speaking about the human condition. And so what the scriptures teach us is that Our God created us in his image and likeness. Genesis 1 tells us, let us create man in our own image and likeness. And so there was this aspect that we are mind, body, and soul. And so that's why, you know, you're different than your dog, right? And you're real different than your cat. Okay, don't get me started. All right, no, you know, there's this aspect of longing and understanding. And the reason why is, is because in Genesis 3, we see that sin enters into the picture. What our first parents, Adam and Eve, did is they did not want to worship God, but rather they wanted to be God. So they went around God. And when that happened, sin entered into the world. And we see that there was a fracture that took place. So now what happens is that we are limited in time. But yet, we are limited in time, and we have a birth date and a death date. But during that lifespan, we have a deep longing for something that is lasting, something that that outlasts us. The famous evangelist Billy Graham, right? Some of you, right? Billy Graham used to call it the God-shaped hole in our hearts. And when we talk about eternity, like, like I struggle. Like, how do I explain something that's unexplainable, right? I mean, this is eternity. And I think sometimes, like, if you ask a kid that, like, um, God never had a beginning, And then you watch their wheels start working like God never had. Is God older than the rocks? Yeah, but God's older than the rock. Is God older than grandpa? Right? (laughs) Yes. You know, and it's this concept for us because we have to have a beginning and an end. But Solomon says that there's this deep concept that you have to understand that is placed within our hearts. Um, and, and to illustrate this, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for another teacher and, and preacher that helped me with this. And so, Tyler, if I could get your help really quick. Let's, um, for the sake of this illustration, can you drag that out just through the doors and all the way out into the lobby and put it on someone's foot and I will yank as hard as I can. And then, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding, right? So, so let's say this, just, you know, just for the sake of, of, of illustration, let's say that this rope never ends. 
Okay, so out of sight, out of mind. It's through those doors, this rope is now a representation of eternity, which is still not right because in quantum physics and in understanding, time actually has an end and it's going somewhere. The universe is actually going somewhere. Well, we can get real deep, right? It's daylight savings. You're like, oh, I need another hour before I contemplate that. Okay, but let's say for the sake of illustration, this is eternity. And then let's say for the sake of illustration that the red part of this rope is your life. That's your beginning, your middle, your end, your birthday, your marriage day, your, the day you got the job, you retired, you bought the boat, like right in here, right? And then you got, I mean, this is you right here. And then this is, is eternity. It changes things when you look at it that way, Right? One of the things that Solomon has taught us is that we are limited. That the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger lied to you. Time is not on your side, okay? And what Solomon says is um, God has placed eternity in your heart. That's why this never really tends to satisfy. And when you look at this in light of this, all of a sudden the priority list changes. All of a sudden, the concerns and the things that you had in your life don't seem that important anymore. And so here's the big idea in the thesis that Solomon wants us to understand today is this. The world is temporary. Only God and his ways are eternal. And so the way to understand that, and this is what I love about the scriptures, is Solomon doesn't start with you He doesn't start with you. This is something that we deeply have to understand, that that the Bible doesn't start with us, but rather in the beginning, God. Now, if you think about that verse, that verse is sort of an oxymoron because in the beginning is a reference of time, but now we're introduced with a character that is outside of time, God. So in the beginning, the starting point was Yahweh, but Yahweh was before the starting point. And what Solomon is doing is going, hey, listen, if you want to understand how temporary everything is, and if you really want to adjust your priority list to things that really matter, don't start with you. But start with the God that created you. And one of the ways that we do that is we look at the ways of God. And so the scriptures talk about, it's, it's the theological term, the eternality of God. Look at what Isaiah says. Have you not known and have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isn't it fascinating? The everlasting God, that literally eternity, that God is not constrained to time, but rather that he works in and through it. And so today is going to be a little bit difficult for me as a preacher and a teacher because I like to give you very applicable things. I love for you to hit the ground running and do all of that. Some of the things that I have to teach today, I have to try to teach you things that are unteachable. <laughs> okay? But this is what I want to do today. I want you to leave here today feeling really small. Not really bad. Not guilt-ridden. None of that. None of that. Please listen. I want you to feel really small And I want God to be really, really big today. 
And so what we do is we look at the ways of God. And the first way of God that he teaches us is that the ways of God, they're mysterious, right? They're mysterious. Well, that's about as clear as mud. Great. Look at verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also put eternity into man's heart. Here it is. Why did he do that, Solomon? Why did he do that? Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. If we're reading the Bible honestly, that should frustrate you. Like, okay, so God did this thing and like put forever and eternity and all of that, and and he did it because it was something that we would never be able to find out? Like, that seems like an angry kid with a magnifying glass, like burning ants or something. Like, what is the deal with that? But listen, a God that you can fully explain is no God that I want to be a part of at all. And please be very weary of a theology that puts man at the center and also puts every concept of God in a nice little box and a bow with it on top. So we know this about the end times and we know this and oh, well, that's very clear in Scripture, brother. That's just, yes, Scripture is clear about things and yes, some things have been revealed. But also what theologians say is because we can't fully grasp who God is, it's also evidence that it makes him God, right? And what we want to do is we want to hit the eject button. We don't want to live in the tension. But in the tension is oftentimes where God teaches us the most. Isaiah, I love what God says in Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts your thoughts. And so if you've ever said, I don't know why God is doing this, or I don't know what's going on, and it seems to be that God is not working how I would want him to work in my life, great, great. Because the Bible says that that is a constant tension that we should live in. And here's the great sin of humanity. The great sin of humanity is is that we want a God created in our image and likeness rather than worship a God who created us in his image and likeness. And so if God worked like you want him to work and thought like you thought, then you would be God. And you are not. And that's really good news. Because you're a horrible God. (laughs) Nobody lies to you more than you do. And so what Solomon's doing is he's almost taking this burden and this weight off of us. And he's going, no, 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 no. Know your place and look up to see the ways of God. Moses says in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. So there are things that God has revealed to us, and he has revealed them primarily through his word. That's why the law is mentioned there. And also through the, primarily through the person of Jesus Christ. But there are things that on this side of heaven, and I'm not even sure in heaven if we'll even really care about those things, that we will not know. What's the one saying that God works in mysterious ways? 
Did you know that that line is actually contributed to a theologian and a hymn writer by the name of William Coward? Pastor Tyler has referenced him before in a sermon. William uh, was a hymn writer and a theologian and suffered from deep, deep depression in his life. And he knew the promises of God and the promises of Scripture and would write them out, but, but he was so conflicted and would go through deep bouts of depression. William wanted to take his own life. And he was going to drink poison, but thought that that was a cowardly move. And so he went to go fall on his sword. That didn't work. So when he went back to his house to drink the poison, he couldn't open the bottle because his hands were too cold. So then he tried to hang himself. That didn't work twice. And then the third time, the rope snapped, and he thought, maybe something's going on. And so he suffered from deep depression in his life because he knew what the Scripture said and all of this, but yet he could not see it. And in 1773, he wrote the poem, The Light Shining Out of Darkness, where we get the phrase, God works in mysterious ways. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds, O never-failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread. They are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord, By feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, upholding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to error and scan his works in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. What is William teaching us and what is Solomon teaching us? Just because you can't see God working doesn't mean that he isn't. And listen to me. Just because you can't find a reason, and I'm going to say something that a lot of preachers don't say, but listen to me. I don't know. I don't know why that happened to you. I know the world's broken And I know it is riddled with sin. But I do know that just because I am blinded by my own humanity and my temporariness doesn't mean that a sovereign God who is outside of time is not doing anything. So yes, God's ways are mysterious. And for some of you, that's your word today. That is the anchor for you to grasp down on. And just like William, you might be in a dark season and you might not understand what's going on. But listen, just because you don't understand doesn't mean that God is absent. Please never mistake God's silence with his absence. Because he is doing a thousand things that you are unaware of. And he works mysteriously. If we could have passed the mic in here today and talk about how God has worked in your life, I bet the common thread would always be, and then I never saw this coming. Then I had no idea. Then the next thing I knew, that's because he is good and his ways are not our ways. We are temporary. God is eternal. And his ways, they are mysterious. But the second way that he works is this, that God's ways are permanent. Permanent. 
They're mysterious, but they're also permanent. Look at verse 14. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. You're like, wow, Jason, that's just right there in verse 14. Yeah, it's like the point comes from the Bible. I don't know, it's crazy, right? I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that... So that, here's the reason, underline so that, if you've got your scripture journal or if your neighbor's falling asleep, mark in their Bible, so that, that's a purpose now, that's a purpose, so that people fear before him. What God does endures forever. That's one of the things like, what is the great horizon in technology is to produce something that is self-sustaining, right? Self-sustaining energy would be a very big deal, right? That's why we need batteries. That's why we need to plug it in. That's why we need to charge your phone. You need to do all of that. It's also why you need to sleep. You ever thought of that? You are not self-sustaining. As one theologian said, God gave us sleep to remind us that we are not him. For he does not grow faint or weary. So I thought this week, what is like man's greatest accomplishment or like longest lasting accomplishment? So I did a little bit of research and ran across, and I'm going to butcher this name, but you can Google it and figure it out. Gobalik Tepe, and it's in southeastern Turkey. And most archaeologists and scientists, everybody believe that this is probably the oldest structure um, that, that humanity has to date. And what's interesting is, is, is it was probably a temple back in the day, which I find very interesting. That, one of the oldest things that we have, was somehow ascribed to worship of, of a greater being. I think one of the greatest evidences of God is the amount of worship that is ascribed to a God. And so this is in southeastern Turkey. And so um, archaeologists and carbon dating are, are actually limited in carbon dating. But science is great and it's awesome and it'll blow your mind when you read about stuff. But what's crazy is, is that this is the oldest standing structure for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? So look at it. Mankind, baby. Rocks. Some stairs, some stairs, let's give us some credit, okay? Right? Wow. That's cool, right? That's, that's what we do. And then I thought, wow, that's cool, rocks. What about the God who made the rocks? Now, so that people will fear before him. It's the reason why when you go to the ocean or you see the sunset or you look at the mountain range or whatever, nobody goes and looks at the vastness of the ocean and the sunset that's happening or the sun rising and that beautiful moment and go, man, I am awesome. I'm incredible. Look at that mountain range. Nobody does that. In that moment, you feel so... When you look at the galaxy and you realize, man, I'm small. One of the things that Solomon is teaching us is is the ways of God are eternal. 
And then when you cross over and he starts speaking about his word, and when he says, my word goes forth, and it never returns void, though the flower, though the flower withers and the grass fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. All of these things, what God is doing, what Psalm 19.1 says, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above his handiwork. That means when the wind blows through the pines, that when you see the trees change color, that is God shouting at us. That is God flexing, and that's God showing his awesomeness, saying that my ways, they are not like your ways. And what we need to do is we need to know our rightful place. And when we see and experience those things, we need to feel small, loved, and cherished, but, but small. His, his ways are mysterious, and they're permanent. But then this last verse tells us as well that God's ways, they're repetitive. It's very odd, verse 15. That which is already, that which is, already has been. That which is to be, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. If you have a footnote there at the end and drop down, it says, or has been pursued. Some of your translations will say, has been cast aside. Now remember, Solomon, ancient Middle Eastern wisdom, right? So he's not like from Southeast Missouri telling us, go over yonder and check out y'all or stuff like that, right? We got to learn some stuff. And what the verse means is what we cast aside, God brings back into our view. What we think is, is ordinary, God constantly wants us to see it. This is a good word for us. Because oftentimes what we pursue is mountaintop experiences. What I called in student ministry the camp high, right? Last night at camp, everybody's crying. Everybody's gotten saved for the 19th time, right? I mean, you're breaking up with your boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, it's not you. I got to love God more, right? And also, I met you two days ago. And so it's this just climactic, whoa, man, it's this. And what we think, what we think is, man, God's working there. That's how God works. And, and, and yes, that's true. But what I found, and anybody who's been walking with Jesus for any amount of time will tell you, God speaks to us in the ordinary, in the day-to-day. And so what we keep casting aside, God, like a loving father, goes, no, this is it. This is it. Those of you with small children, no. It's like I just told you. Eleven times I told you, right? And just those glassy eyes look at you like, What? (laughs) That's how we are. We're constantly wanting to move on to the to the thing, man. God, I got I got this thing, and it's the big thing, and it's yeah, 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 yes. But this, but this, it's he's constantly teaching us. And what's interesting to note is is that Solomon really the whole book of Ecclesiastes is almost like a commentary on Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter 3 is what we talked about, when, when sin enters into the world and everything fractures. And in Genesis 3, it says this, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out, and he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth, here it is, to guard the way to the tree of life. What Solomon is saying is, in a way, life now 
is on this side of Eden. That's a great, I just came, that's like a good title for an album or something like that, right? This is what we're living now. We're not, but, but here's the thing. We long to be back in the garden. That, that's the tension in your life. That's the tension in the job, in the marriage, in the relationships, and all of that is, is this longing that I have to live on this side of, of Eden. And my longing is, is to be walking with the God in the cool of the day and that we should know each other and have that intimacy. But, but we are separated in that. And so listen, here, here's humanity's fundamental problem. Humanity's fundamental problem is trying to fill an eternal void with a temporary pleasure. I mean, really, if you want to get down to it, that's, that's the definition of an addiction. It's, it's like trying to drink water from a cup that doesn't have a bottom at all. And so what we're constantly doing, as Calvin said, is, is our heart is an idol factory. And we are constantly trying to place that something in the void that we have. And Solomon's saying, if you try to do that with anything, with sex, money, all of that, that is always going to leave the void. And you will constantly feel that frustration. But we live on this side of Calvary. Well, you see, somebody, if the flaming sword guarded the way back into the presence of God, then that means somebody had to go underneath the sword to make the way. And so where do we find something eternal in a temporary world? We look to the mystery of the incarnation. Oh, God works in mysterious ways, and, and the creator of everything who is infinite now writes himself into his creation. And Jesus Christ, who never had a beginning, who was the only begotten of the Father, now walks in flesh and blood. And now if we want to know what the ways of God are like, or if we want to know what God is like, we look to Christ, for He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. As Hebrews, He is the exact radiance of Him. You see that when we start to attach ourselves to that, then we start finding that meaning and purpose. But it's not just the mystery of the incarnation, but what else is permanent other than the permanent purchase of salvation? For Hebrews says that Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice for all. For there is no more sacrifices that can be made to God. That there is no more. Listen, that Christianity is not our way and moving up the mountain to find God. But rather Christianity is God coming down the mountain to find you. And what we say in Christianity is that salvation comes from outside of you, not inside of you. And what Jesus purchased for us, and the last words that he cries out is, it is finished. That it's done. And that that work that Jesus did is hurtled through all of eternity. For when we see in Revelation chapter 4 that they're surrounding the throne room, what are they singing? They are singing that this is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world and that He is holy and that He is just. That is the only work that will forever be eternal. So it's the mystery of the incarnation. It's the permanent purchase of salvation, but it is also the repetitive work of the gospel, the good news. If you've been coming here for any amount of time, I got one sermon. That's it. 
Any sermon, one sermon. It could be about sex, drugs, rock and roll. It doesn't matter. I got one sermon. And it's Jesus. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because that's the issue. Every issue in our lives is a Jesus issue. The reason why you don't handle money the way that you should or that you're stingy with it is, is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For I would remind you of the grace of God, brothers, who gave himself freely to us. Money is a Jesus issue. Unforgiveness and bitterness is a Jesus issue. For we are to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you see? Every Everything goes back to Jesus. And what we think is, we think the gospel is that prayer that I repeated, that incantation, when I walked down the aisle and they sang just as I am 60,000 times until somebody walked down the aisle and did that. And then we move beyond that and we go into the deeper things of God. Every day of our life, we should be preaching the good news to ourselves. That that's all we have. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That God is reconciling literally the universe back to himself through Jesus. So what you need today to adjust the priority list and to see how temporary everything is in light of eternity is to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus to fill that void. Many of you could agree with Solomon that it's work. That's just, if I, I just constantly feel that if I can get over this hump, then, then that's when I'll be satisfied. Or with this relationship or with that. And, and if we could just be honest today, and just, God forbid, we'd be honest in church, that would be crazy, right? You're exhausted. You're so worn out to your soul. And Jesus is just saying, attach yourself here because here's where the purpose is found. I'll close with the famous words of C.S. Lewis as he says this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, then the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And we were separated from that. But God in His goodness and His kindness and His mercy sent Christ to bring us back to that. Everything in this world is temporary. Only God and His ways are eternal. Heavenly Father, we come before You today and we are grateful for the opportunity. God, we are grateful for the opportunity to come into a place to know our place. And God, today the prayer and the anthem is this. Make us feel small. Small. And God, be really, really big. God, God, be really, really big. What we need is is not another positive message about our self-effort and about how this and about how that, but what we need today is we need our eyes lifted to the heavens and we need to see the God who is much higher than us, much holier than us. And may we be in awe of that today. And then at the same time, that holy and just and separate God becomes one of us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us 
And that all the mysteriousness, all the permanence, all the repetitive acts we see are found in the person of Christ. God, what would Solomon say to us today on this side of Calvary? That the true meaning and purpose in life is found in Christ. That we get to come to the table and we see his body broken and his blood shed. God, many of us need to adjust our priority list in light of eternity today. And I pray that many of us came in today with pressing needs that were at the top of the priority list. And yes, they are needs. And yes, we need your guidance. But God, today what we understand is we have a God that's much bigger than that list. Have your way with us in this place as we pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you come forward and partake in the elements today as you feel led? You can stand where you're at.